with that, there's an opportunity that we're seeing come up where clients can actually take a look at their revenue, their different lines now to take a strategic look at it to see where they want to focus their energy and the resources they have. From Ray and Associates Studios, this is Unsuitable, a management and financial services podcast for entrepreneurs, tenured business leaders, and others who are ready to look beyond the suit and tie culture for meaningful, measurable results. I'm Doug Hauser. The Financial Accounting Standards Board has issued what's being called the most significant revision to the U.S. generally accepted accounting principles revenue recognition standards in history. Chris Rausch, a principal in Ray's Millersburg office, and Katie Snyder, a supervisor in our Worcester office, have confronted the changes head-on to help business owners understand the new standard while uncovering opportunities for new bottom-line growth. On today's show, Chris and Katie will explain the five steps of revenue recognition under the new standard, what changes are in store for financial statement preparers, and how the new standard can actually be viewed as an opportunity to look at other areas of potential revenue. That sounds like a mouthful. Welcome, Chris yeah. and Katie. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for having us. Uh, now, we've got a, a veteran and a rookie here, and I say that in the podcast <laughs> sense. Veteran rookie. Right. Despite is, Chris, is Chris the rookie here? Despite Chris being the veteran of the firm, he's actually the rookie the rookie podcast guest, whereas Katie, you're the veteran. So, a little, little different spin here. Yeah. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Very nice. But um, as, we, as we talk about revenue recognition standards, boy, that just sounds overly complex just just reading that. I mean, I you know, I go back to the the FAS statements and I used to have some of those memorized 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Now I I can't even keep up. So so what's going on here with revenue recognition? Well, previously there's a lot of different revenue standards for different industries across across uh, you know, all different industries. So there was a lot of disparity between company to company. And the new standard gives one set of principles that applies across the board to everybody. So the, the FASB is trying to get a little more um, consistency, a little more clarity, a little more transparency, and, and more comparability of financial statements between different companies. So that's the idea behind it. Okay. So the, yeah. the key verb there was trying. So, yeah. so Katie, in your opinion, is, is that accomplished with this or did we make it more complex? In the long run, it will make things more simple Okay. because um, as you go from one industry to the other, they are all under the same exact standards and the same rules. While before in the old system, kind of, they would come out with specific guidance for specific industries. Mm-hmm. And that kept building so many different rules that as you went from different industry, that they were issuing statements that had different building blocks to how they were getting their numbers. Now, when you read a financial statements, they are all following the same five principles and five steps to reach that end goal. Okay, And so it's going to be fun to get there. It's going to be enjoy the journey, but uh, it's going to be a, a journey to get there. So in the end, 
it will be worth it. Okay. So you you mentioned five steps. Chris, can you kind of go over those? Do you know those five steps? Or yeah, what, what's, I can I can start. You can Katie, recite Katie, them Katie by, by heart. Yeah. When, I, when I miss one. So the first one is to identify it. So the standard is, is for uh, revenue from contracts with customers is okay. the official title. And the first step is to identify contracts with your customers. Sure. Those can be uh, actual written contracts or oral contracts are just implied by by the business okay. and the business type. The second step is to identify the performance obligations in the contract. So what is the customer going to get in exchange from us in exchange for for the third step which is the transaction price. So what have they agreed to pay for it? The fourth step is to if there are multiple performance obligations within the contract to allocate the transaction price to each of those performance obligations Okay, uh, is the fourth step. And then the fifth step is just the timing of the recognition. So contracts, depending on on what they are, can be recognized at a point in time. Uh, revenue can be recognized at a point in time under a contract or over a period of time. Okay. So um, construction industry is a good example of what might be overtime uh, recognition because they, they could have a contract that, that spans a number of months or, or even sure. years. And um revenue will be recognized over the period of performance of that that contract. Gotcha. But for, you know, I think obviously in the construction world, a lot of them are, are used to that sort of thinking anyway. Right. So, it, so are you seeing certain <clears throat> industries that are that are more, say, unaware or impacted by these changes? I think in, in our client base, construction is going to be one of the industries that's impacted the most. Okay. Um, there are other uh, like software companies with license agreements and things like that 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 are a three-year license agreement or something that mm-hmm. that uh, are impacted by the standard. So there may not be an actual change or a material change in the recognition of revenue under the standard. But the one thing that that we will talk about and and uh, that all of our clients that prepare gap financial statements will see is expanded disclosures with revenue. Okay. So so talk to me about that, Katie. Expanded disclosures, you referring to, to footnotes and 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 all of that that type of thing? Yes. One and this is going to be for all gap financial statements. Okay. When it comes to the new standards, it is required that uh, revenue is disclosed and broken out between different segments and regions. So if you sell a lot to a different state. So you have 50% of your sales in Ohio, 50% in New York. Uh, You have to disclose the breakout because how that revenue is generated from a user of the financial statements, those revenues have different risks and circumstances. So you have to make sure that the reader of the financial statements are informed. And um, another area of how they need to be broken out is by like different segments. Okay. So I was working with a company on this and uh, going into it, I was like, you guys have mainly one product line. You're going to be good going into this. I don't anticipate this having a really big impact. And that was a high level surface. When we actually dug down and looked at the details a little closer and understood the different makeup of their revenue streams, they actually had two different revenue. It was the same mm-hmm. product, but they had two different really end customers. So they, they're they required to disclose on their financial statements the, these two different segment lines. Okay. Yeah, and private companies have some discretion on how they want to disaggregate their revenue and disclose it. Public companies have more strict requirements sure. as far as disclosure, but but our client base will have the ability to decide on 
based on the revenue streams and the users, what's the most useful to the readers of the financial statements as far as how they break it down. And and that made me think, you know, for private companies, typically the user, right, is maybe their financial institution, maybe, uh, you know, their their board if they have one Mm -hmm. or, or surety provider, maybe another third party, but very, very limited in scope. So can they sort of pass on some of this or is, there's there's no getting around well, the, doing this if you're if you um are required to have gap statements so that's the first question sure. is do you have a bank or a bonding company or somebody that that is requiring financial reporting under gap yeah uh, generally accepted accounting principles uh then you have to comply with the standard okay. now for private companies there are scaled back disclosures from what the public companies are required okay. to have uh but you still do have to comply Gotcha. Uh, so if there is not that requirement, then you might want to consider tax basis reporting or some other, some other, um, yeah, financial reporting. But, the, but there again, you go back to the usefulness, right, for mm-hmm. the end, end reader. So if they don't have that information, then how useful is it right. anyway? So. Yeah. Do you want to tell the story about your one client that I was <laughs> helping I you one. with? So Chris was on Let's vacation. Oh, that, yeah, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. And... Someone in his office uh, reached out to me to help him with this client. And I'm going through like the checklist, trying to understand their revenue recognition and things like that. And then I'm just digging into the details. And then all of a sudden I get an email from Chris who's out on vacation and he goes, Katie, they're on tax basis statements. We're fine. They don't, (laughs) this, this guidance doesn't even apply to them. And I was just like, oh, yeah. Right. That that was my rookiness coming out right yeah. there. Thank you very little. <laughs> right. Well, they they had been at an industry conference and somebody there presented on the new revenue uh, recognition standard, so they started thinking about it and called called us for help. And and thankfully, Katie was there to answer the phone while I was out. But yeah, I was able to respond to the email and they freaked and out cut a that off. Bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what we've been seeing with some of our clients that are taking the proactive stance and reaching out to us. The industry is making it kind of, it's this big change. It's this big change. Well, let's relax. First, let's identify if it applies to you. So it's only gap statements. If you don't issue gap statements, this isn't a huge concern. And then let's go to the next step. Okay, does it apply to you? Yes. Okay, let's go through the five steps, see how Mm -hmm. they apply. See if you end up in the same spot. A lot of times we're seeing... They are um, construction and software, as Chris mentioned earlier, are some of the areas where it gets a little muddy a lot quickly. And then let's go through the disclosures. How does this information need to be presented? Sure. So, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it. It. So really, it's it's not perhaps as overly complicated at the end of the day in terms of what you're presenting. It's just the path to getting there. You've got to go through a lot of uh, mechanics to determine what's really necessary. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and in the disclosures, um, you disclose how re- revenue is recognized and also the judgments and assumptions you make to get mm-hmm. there. So that's part of the disclosure and and why they have to go through those five steps to, okay. to yeah. realize how they are recognizing so revenue. The, the most complicated thing about this, Doug, is it's new. Yeah. It's a new way of thinking. Sure. So... Yeah, I hear. I keep hearing this term performance obligation. It makes makes it sound like a a bad, you know, old late night type of movie or something. I don't know. I'm, it's like repeated over and over. You know, oh my gosh, what does this mean? But 
you know, for, for construction companies, for example, they're already used to producing uh, a whip schedule and, mm-hmm. and that's part of the financial disclosures. So does it change a, a lot of that really, or is it just kind oh. of some supplemental information beyond that type of stuff? Uh, could I walk you through an example? Maybe we sure. can maybe do one with construction because they're unique. And then we could do one that's a, just a non, let's do it. like a plain Jane. So let's say um, I was telling Chris, I'm going to uh, go order a chainsaw here recently because I have some trees on my property I want to cut down. Okay. So I go out to the internet. I order a chainsaw. Okay. And my written contract with the store is for a chainsaw. What's implied in that contract from historically buying things from them, things over a certain dollar point, I get free shipping. Sure. So that's implied. So right there, my contract's for a chainsaw and free shipping. Oh, okay. Um, I have two performance items under this one contract. So my contract for the one chainsaw, the two performance obligations are for the shipping and the chainsaw. So let's say I spend $200 on this chainsaw. Mm-hmm. So then our um, transaction price for this agreement is $200. Okay. So then let's go to the fourth step. The way that that transaction price needs to get allocated into the performance obligations, it gets divided between the chainsaw and the delivery. Okay. Because I have really two agreements here. Even though there was no true cash cost to the delivery. Because it's free. Right. In parentheses right there. Yeah. So The air quotes. Yes. <laughs> Love the air quotes. <laughs> so then let's go to the fifth step where you actually recognize the revenue. Okay. When the item gets shipped, that's the first item of recognition. So they'll recognize the revenue that's associated with the chainsaw. Right. And then upon full delivery the delivery portion is complete, that's when they get to recognize the revenue get, that would get allocated okay. to that. Interesting. Now, there's a million different variations to that example. That is a plain Jane okay. example. Wow. So I mean, It still seems complex to get there, you know, to go it, through. It, it's a journey to get yeah. there. Yeah, so. there you go. Enjoy the journey, right? Right. <laughs> As you said. <laughs> yep. As you said. So, so. interesting. It's, that's Yeah. Do you want me to run through the construction yeah, one, Chris? Okay. So another contract I am actually in the process of reviewing right now is for a, the construction. And it's stated in the contract that there are six buildings that will be built, three apartments and then three garages also. Okay. So going through the steps, the piece that I'm getting hung up on right now and it's going to cut, I need to have more conversations with the client here is how many performance obligations are. Mm -hmm. Because depending on the judgment of the company and the end user, I will either have six performance obligations Mm -hmm. or three. Can, do you want to take a shot at making a judgment what the performance obligations are there, Doug? Right. Well, it, it depends, again, probably how the contract is is written and, and as you indicated, what's implied. I mean, is it implied that the garage goes with the, the residential unit or are those mm-hmm. truly separate? Exactly. You hit the, you hit the, right there on the nail. The, the nail crux, on the head? The crux of <laughs> what's so complicated on this uh, specific example is 
do they really, if they were not building these apartments, would they build the garages? Okay. And that is the question we have to identify before we figure out, before we can progress past step two on okay. the new standards. So is this, Chris, are you seeing, when you see stuff like that, does it change the thinking of a client in terms of how they maybe write their agreements in, it, in the way they're doing business? I mean, is that something they should it consider? Could, and, and that's one of the benefits that, that we touched on. There may be some benefits to, the, to this new standard. And I think that's one of them, that they're going to be able to take a step back because everybody gets caught up in the day-to-day world when sure. and, and doesn't really pay attention. It's just continues the way it's always been. But this will kind of force a, a step back to look at revenue, how companies are interacting with their customers, what the agreements say, what the, the terms of those contracts are, and okay. they can take a look and see if those need to be adjusted or tweaked somehow. Right. Um, I think, like as we mentioned already, I don't think there'll be a big change in maybe how revenue is actually recognized and reported in the financial statements, but just the disclosure the of disclosures. how we get there, what all's in, entailed, because it'll significantly expand you know, those disclosures that we've seen in the past. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's more visibility. Now, do, do you hear any concern uh, on the client's behalf? Like, you know, hey, I don't, I don't want to disclose that stuff. I don't want to tell third-party users, you know, exactly where my, my revenue stream comes from. Or I haven't heard that yet, detail. but that, that may be a concern. You okay. Know, um, you know, I, I think, as we touched on, public companies had to adopt this standard for 2018. So right. they've already had to disclose a lot of this information, which is a benefit to our clients that are privately held because we can go out and look at the regulatory filings for their industry or competitors in the industry to... Um, kind of get an idea of what's being disclosed, the format and, and the information that's being included. Okay. And, uh, and potentially being able to scale that back a little bit since it's more privately held and, and they sure. have more required disclosures as public companies. Yeah. Now, Katie, when exactly this went into effect for 2019, correct? Or mm-hmm. That's just, correct. Okay. Um, can I build off of something Chris was saying okay. about how this standard is really going to cause people to take a step back from the whirlwind of our mm-hmm. daily activities to actually take a look and question where the revenue is coming from. Uh, and with that, there's an opportunity that we're seeing come up where clients can actually take a look at their revenue, their different lines now mm-hmm. to take a strategic look at it to see where they want to focus their energy and the resources they have because there's opportunities there and they just have to, it's causing them to take a new look at what they see on a day-to-day and go, oh, wait, why aren't we doing this? Why are we spending time over here on project A when project B is more in line with what we want to accomplish as a company? That's a that's a great point. So they can, for those that don't maybe drill down to that level of detail, they can sort of figure out, hey, we're really making a lot more money over here than than we maybe anticipated or than mm-hmm. what our intuition tells us. But now we really know. We see the evidence. Right. right. Once they start to dig in and actually see the the detail behind it. Yeah. Interesting. So that that's truly truly a benefit. Any any other uh, benefits that you you see to this besides you know more time for us obviously <laughs> to, to consult well, with our clients. But well, yeah, that is a benefit to us because we're going to be in there talking with our clients about this, getting a deeper understanding of their revenue mm-hmm. and their agreements with their customers. We're going to understand their businesses better. 
not, not only to help them implement the standard for financial reporting, but then just to know their business a little bit better and being able to give them advice on decisions sure. and, and, and sure. things they're interested in. Yeah. So, so good stuff from that yeah. perspective. So mm-hmm. not, not all bad news, not you know, all, when you yeah. hear, you know, everybody hears new, new regulatory guidance or something like that. Yeah. It's always the initial shudder, but, mm-hmm. but in this case, not, not so bad really. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Any other uh, client examples that, that you've seen that uh, are, are impactful or, or that you foresee for this, this next year? Big, um, big issues. You know, we, we've, We've developed that we have a group within Rain Associates that's kind of focused on this and some different industry okay. specifications. But so we've split some of that up. But we've developed a client questionnaire that all of our team can take out as we meet with clients to to go through the five steps Excellent. and um, you know, give them an overview of what the standard is. And and the idea is that we would actually go out and meet with them and walk through it. So we can dig into more of the detail because the, the principles are pretty simple at the top level, but the devil's in the details. Once you get sure. in and start to see what mm-hmm. the contracts say and, and different revenue streams, it's where the complexities pop up. But uh, absolutely. That's why we like to go be able to meet with the clients and walk through it. Yeah, it helps to sit down and, and walk through mm-hmm. it. Absolutely. And Chris kind of mentioned that we have different teams here at Ray working on it. And we have one specifically focused on the construction. And Doug, I'm going to give you a shout out because you're putting together <laughs> a little something in September. Do you want to mention that? Absolutely. September 20th, we've got an industry forum uh, in Worcester, in fact, but uh, certainly open across the, across the state mm-hmm. for attendees. And we'll have... CPE available and and I know you'll be you'll be speaking there yep. and yeah one of enlightening uh, folks a little more yes one of the team members also from who's specifically focused on the construction um, impact will be joining us to present at that so we're Fantastic. really excited to yep. present great stuff yeah. thanks well good to hear thanks uh, Chris and Katie both for being here uh, if you want to learn more about the new revenue recognition standard or to hear previous episodes of unsuitable. Visit our podcast page at www.reacpa.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's show. You can subscribe to Unsuitable on iTunes or wherever you like to get your podcasts, including YouTube. And while you're there, please leave us a review. You can also write to us at rea.news at reacpa.com. I'm Doug Hauser. Join us next week for another Unsuitable interview from an industry professional. The views expressed on Unsuitable on Ray Radio are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Ray and Associates. The podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to replace the professional advice you would receive elsewhere. Consult with a trusted advisor about your unique situation so they can expertly guide you to the best solution for your specific circumstance. 